What's up, Fight Fan? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Tuesday, October 1st, 2019. Spooky. Guys, my name is Gabriel. You can find me on social media at Double G on TV. And I'm joined by the champion of the BFF title, Miss Natalie Zamudio. Hello, Double G. Yeah, happy Tuesday, but more importantly, happy October. Can't believe it's already here. Are you a Halloween guy? Is that your thing or not really? I can't say it has been. I mean, I enjoy it as much as the next guy, but I'm not one of those. It's like, oh, it's dress up season. Uh, That's never been me, if we're being honest. But, you know, I appreciate a good costume as much as the next guy. What about you? Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I uh, I haven't dressed up in quite some time, and and before that time, which is maybe four years ago, I hadn't done it in a, a decade or so. But I do enjoy. Um, actually, what do I enjoy about Halloween? I enjoy seeing pictures of people getting excited, you know, dressed, getting dressed up. But I'm not into it. I don't open my door when people ring the doorbell. I don't give out candy. Um, yeah, I guess. I don't watch Halloween movies. It's just one of those that doesn't get me super excited. I'm more of a Thanksgiving Christmas gal. Uh, see, I feel like that just sounds anti-Halloween, you know. It does a little bit, yeah. It's just, it's just not your jam. You don't like to watch Hocus Pocus on a Tuesday night after work? None of that? I don't even really like candy that much. So, yeah, what? I'm really not a Halloween girl. <laughs> Blasphemy. So, what are you going to do? Well, I'll say this. My favorite candy is... Uh, peanut M&M's and you gifted me some uh, at the forum so it was like the perfect gift because I do go crazy for that but otherwise not really (laughs) oh well you know how lucky am I that I got the right one Uh, you know but um uh, what about when your son gets here do you think you'll be taking him for his first Halloween in the stroller yeah you know what you're right I guess I better get into I'm gonna have to get into Halloween so my time will come and I'll have to do all that stuff I, I have no issue. In fact, that yeah, if I think about it, I'm excited about getting him dressed up for however many years he's interested in it. I think my childhood, I was probably done dressing up by like freshman year, high school, sophomore year, if you can still call that childhood. So you know, I'm I'm guessing he'll be done sooner than that. But we don't we don't know. Well, I mean, with a mom who doesn't like Halloween, I'd assume, yeah. (laughs) One of my concerns is, like, I don't know how to sew. My mom used to make all my costumes. I was a pizza. I was a carrot. I was all kinds of cool things. You were a lot of food. (laughs) I thought they were cool. As I say them out loud, I don't know how cool a carrot is. Um, But (laughs) she made them. And so now, you know, for my kid, I'll just have to go buy them, which is fine. Before we get into MMA, did she ever make you a costume that wasn't food-related? Um, no. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, at least she had her priorities. She was on brand. I I respect that. I was also a a tube of toothpaste, but I think that kind of still, you know, holds court in the food uh, food arena. (laughs) It's uh, it's borderline. Okay, well, well, Mama Zamudio, I hope you have a good idea planned. So we will get there. All right, guys, it was a very packed show of mixed martial arts over the weekend. You had UFC, you had two to three Bellator cards, depending on how you read that website. But um, there's a lot to go over. And then obviously, we are going to turn our attention to Australia. Let's start with the big one, 
Bellator Los Angeles at the forum. You were there. I was there. It was a lot of fun. Um, we were around a lot of our MMA co-workers, which was nice. But let's get into the fight. Obviously, the main event, Gegar Mousasi gets revenge on Lyoto Machida. Takes a very straightforward, uh, unanimous decision. When I look at that fight, I really feel like the difference was that Lyoto just wasn't able to get the openings he usually does. I think part of that is obviously the experience and the IQ on Musasi. He executed a good game plan um, in those, I guess, when Machida's um, on the outside, he was being the aggressor. Every time Machida tried to stay in front of him and close the distance, he was uh, throwing, you know, quick combinations to make Machida de defend and back off. So just a well-executed game plan. Nothing crazy, but just executed the basics in all the right moments to take the decision. The guillotine, I had a lot of hope. It looked like it was going to be an epic one, but it didn't look like he just had the grip under the neck. I feel like Musasi was just defending. We just didn't see it on camera, but I don't think the guillotine was ever going to be close to getting finished. It wasn't just toughness. I just don't think Machida had the right hands to finish it, but big win for Musasi. We'll talk about the future in a second, but for right now, what were your thoughts on the fight? So you, you did an excellent breakdown. It, it was exactly as you said. And for me, because of that, it was a little bit underwhelming. I wanted some more action uh, from Lyoto. In fact, I think when I look at the whole experience of Gegard and Lyoto, including, you know, interviews and open workouts, the most interesting part for me was Gegard Musasi's post-fight interview out of that whole experience. You know, um, you were there, you remember the crazy kooky <laughs> things he said, the hilarious things he said. And uh, that was the most personality I've seen from him in a long time, or maybe ever. So that was great. I also really liked looking back on the whole experience uh, at the open workouts when he came out into the bright, bright, beating sun. And he kind of squinted his eyes and said, it's too hot. Um, how much of, how much how much more do you guys want me to do? And he did about five minutes and then went went uh, went into the shade. So <laughs> I like the guy. He's got a great, uh, honest personality and the fight yeah as i said underwhelming i'm a leoto guy i'm a leoto gal you know he's my guy but i uh, just didn't have um yeah he, he didn't find the openings that he needed and and musasi played it perfectly it was his game and he he landed some good shots here and there to keep leoto retreating and that was pretty much it yeah, um, in terms of Lyoto, obviously he's not without options. Uh, the middleweight division, you know, he's still a major player there. Light heavyweight, he could still fight there if he wants. So he's not without options. I'm with you on Musasi. You know, it, what's funny is he's a guy who's never really been into playing the game in terms of talking this up and this and that. You know, he does the interviews and he likes to be silly. He doesn't take it too seriously and... um. You know, respectfully, you know, he does his work in the octagon and the cage, and that kind of has been uh, successful for him, which is fine. You could argue that it's part of why he hasn't had that big upswell, that big push. People saying, man, I wish he was back in UFC so he could fight Robert Whitaker, Israel Adesanya. I think that may be why. But look, we also saw that when he gets relaxed and he's willing to play with the media, 
he is quite entertaining. He is aware how the game works, even though he doesn't like to participate. So I was for it. I loved it. Um, I was sharing the clip. I was dying like everyone else was listening to him. Um, which, of course, raised the question. I think it's obvious he wants Rafael Lovato Jr. I think that, you know, respectfully, they had it in London. Maybe he feels like things will be tested a little more. I, you know, I don't want to... I'm not going to accuse anyone of anything because that would be unfair. But I think the impression he's getting is that testing is more lax. Whether or not it is, only the people there know. But the fact is, I think he wants to fight somewhere else. And look, they're at the Mohegan Sun every other month. They're in a bunch of uh, cities, Thackerville. Uh, they're in San Jose. If he doesn't want to fight overseas and have the fight in America, that is probably going to be what happens with the Musasi and Lovato rematch. So I think it's just going to happen. It's just a matter of when. I think they'll probably stack it on a card coming up, like when they return to SAP or maybe the next one at Mohegan Sun. So that's what I predict will happen. What about you? Yeah, for his sake um, and just because it would probably make for even more interesting interviews. I hope he does get a fight in the good old U.S. of A. for that extra bit of scrutiny. Uh, again, I have no idea. I have no opinion really on on his accusations. I was just entertained by his um, by his perspective. And um, yeah, you know, let's. Uh, I think it's safe to assume we do better testing here in the U.S. So let's do it. Let's try and be as fair as possible for everybody. And I'd like to point out, if you're talking about people who look like horses, there's a lot of other guys you need to talk to before you talk to Lovato Jr. Yeah. Like, yeah. if you were to say Yoel Romero, I'd be like, yep, you better go do that. I'm with you. I you mean, know, we're, 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 hey, <laughs> respectfully, we all got eyes, people. We know. We get it. You know, that's all I'll say about that. But no, um, <laughs> okay. I should, uh, recently, you know, I, I will say Lovato Jr. hasn't popped for anything. I do think that was Musasi. On top of anything, he's trying to drum up attention. And I think he's trying to just, I don't know, like he could, I, I feel like he didn't want to commit to his little bit. But I do think that he, if he has a suspicion and he's trying to accuse him, that just builds up the fight. And I do think, you know, on the record, that's what he was trying to do as much of anything is that he's trying to build up interest in a rematch, plain and simple, with Lovato Jr. He succeeded, because now I want to see that fight. For sure. I think people will, you know, everyone does, which is a good thing if you're Bellator. Now, the Featherweight Grand Prix obviously took off. There are a lot of fights to talk about, so I don't want us to... We could be here all day if we break down the ins and outs of everything, but I think the big picture, Patricio Pitbull... Very workmanlike over Juan Archuleta. I'm going to attribute that to the toughness of Juan. I think that Pitbull did exactly what he had to do to neutralize him. Um, wasn't, you know, I thought he would go for a little more in the striking. It kind of felt like if Pitbull really wanted to sit down and chop away at him with kicks or something, maybe they could have a fun firefight. But really, Pitbull knew what positions he wanted. He got him there, tied him up against the fence, got on top. Really just stifled Juan Archuleta's game. Very impressive. AJ McKee, he blew the roof off the place. Eight-second knockout, impressive. And then, you know, Darian Caldwell, uh, conservative, used his takedowns, beat uh, Henry Corrales. 
Daniel Weichel back and forth, but he just had what it took to overcome Saul Rogers. We now have the brackets. Before we talk about the selection, did you want to add anything to the fights? One thing, and only selfishly, because uh, TJ Dillashaw was not able to be in Juan Archuleta's corner. I'm still not clear on why that ended up being such a last-minute um, issue by the commission or anyone there didn't know that was going to be a problem earlier on and even in the day or the weeks leading up to the fight. But because he had to sit on the sidelines with the fans, or I guess actually he was with Juan Archuleta's family, the camera panned to him and I was sitting right behind him. And so I was able to make it on the DAZN broadcast for a split second. And actually, so were you, if you go back and look. Oh, trust me, that's why I waved if you watch the replay. <laughs> I, was aware of what, I was aware of what was going on. <laughs> I saw the camera on him, but I never thought. I just was too busy looking, I don't know where, at the big screen. And then my husband texted me. He's like, I just saw you on TV. And I was like, oh, cool. So that's my one comment on that. Uh, but, uh, you know, more into the fighting. I was disappointed uh, with uh, the Henry Corrales, Darren Caldwell fight. I really wanted Corrales to show you know, his grit and uh, show some of his, his skill set. But Caldwell just held him down and kept him down, and that's his style. So it was a bummer for me to see that. Uh, back to Juan Archuleta, he talked about being a wild man, and, you, you know, he has that, like, side-to-side -side movement. He cuts these angles. He could never even do that. He couldn't he couldn't ever become that Juan Archuleta that we've grown to, to enjoy watching because Pitbull just was Pitbull. So I – Expected the fights to be a little more exciting than they were. Thank goodness for AJ McKee. But all in all, you know, the, the best fighters won. Um, you only win if you're the, if you know, the, the fighters with the best game plans, I should say, won. And uh, I think we still have an exciting uh, rest of the Grand Prix ahead of us. Yeah, we'll talk about the fights a, a little bit. But what did you think about the selection process for myself? Um... Yeah, I had a. I was sitting next to one of the other reporters, and he said, "Look, these are businessmen. They know to like you know set up the big fight in the final and not." I'll be honest. I was a little disappointed because I feel like guys, you know, the point of the tournament is the big. You look at the welterweight bracket, the way it was set up. They had bangers all the way through. They had good stylistic matchups all the way through. Now you know the way that it played out. I'm not going to lie. I wanted to see Pitbull fight AJ. He had the option. Um, maybe AJ Adam Boric, something like that. Um, there's still a lot of good fights to be had, especially on the left side with AJ and Boric if they move on. The caldwell Boric fight is a good one. But really, I think that um, you, we've talked about this. You know how I feel about it. The fact that now you, gotta, you need them to make the final is a little... Uh, it's frustrating. It makes me nervous. It kind of feels like it's just... We know the fights we want to see, plain and simple. So the fact that they could have manipulated that but didn't, I was a little... I'll be honest. The setup of the tournament and the process, that was a lot of fun. But the way the fighters make, made their decisions, I'll say it. For me, I had more to be desired. What about you? I, I agree with that. So the actual selection process was super exciting, entertaining. Good on Bellator, I think, for doing something different, or at least for this era of MMA, because uh, apparently they this is something they borrowed from like K1, or I can't remember what promotion. 
Yep. And the champion's choice, that was a genius move, apparently devised by Big John McCarthy. So those are great elements to this entire selection process. Um, I was surprised, really surprised that, you know, okay, two things. Pleasantly surprised that AJ McKee, number one selection, came out and said, I want the first shot, December, let's go. And then that nobody jumped on it. That every, the three fighters after that each picked their own month to fight. That was, that was a bummer. You wanted someone to just step up to the, to the plate and say, yeah, man, let's do it. Then Pitbull gets his chance. And of course would have loved to see him go after AJ immediately, but he did just go through a five rounder with Juan Archuleta and he wanted to rest, but I really didn't expect him to go to, to pick March. I thought maybe he'd do January, but I guess if he needs to rest, he needs to rest. What do you think about him not wanting to fight Caldwell and instead take Carvalho? I actually liked his his answer. You know, he lost twice before before this win over Henry Corrales, and it wasn't an exciting win. And I believe him. I read an interview that his brother Patricky gave to I don't know if it was MMA Fighting or Junkie, where he said that um, his advice was for Pitbull to pick an easy challenger and he wanted him to pick Caldwell, but, but Pitbull wanted a, a, a real fighter. And, um, for the name value. Yeah. It seemed like the obvious choice. If you're going March would be Darren Caldwell, but he wanted someone scrappier that would, I think give a better show. And Pedro Carvalho in that post fight interview, I mean, he was super game. He was fired up. I think he's going to give us a good fight. So I'm way more excited about how those styles match up than Jerry and Caldwell would have matched up with Pitbull. But, but the name obviously would have made more sense just for marketing and whatnot. No, I get what you're saying. And, you know, once again, that puts the pressure on these guys again to perform, deliver, uh, you know, going back over it, you have AJ, Derek Campos, obviously a white shul and Emmanuel Sanchez rematch. Um, Darren Caldwell, Adam Borix is a, one of the dark horses. I think people aren't realizing that the win over Aaron Pico was no fluke. Same for Pat Curran. This is one of the top prospects in Bellator's featherweight division in all the promotions. So that's another one. And then, yeah, like you just touched on with Pitbull and Carvalho. So you know how I feel about them spacing it out too much. I kind of, I'd like things, uh, you know, uh, instant gratification. But okay, they're going to make us wait. This spaces it out. Let's see how they do in 2020 with all of it. Um, the welterweight tournament is over this month. So, you know, Bellator likes to focus on one at a time. Okay, we'll see how it goes. Moving on from the fight news, there was obviously a lot in announcements. Chris Cyborg will be making her debut against Julia the Jewel Bud. Natalie January 25th, they're back at the Forum. I'm excited about that, but do you have anything to add on this fight finally coming together? I liked how civil and calm and respectful they were at the press, uh, the post-fight press conference. You know, They obviously didn't fight, but they were there and they stuck around to talk to us. They're both really game, but they were just really like civil and calm about it, and I like that because you know that they mean business. I think they're going to be... I think they both understand the risk to their legacies by fighting each other if they lose and also the potential for making like a really big statement on the Bellator stage if they win on either side. 
Boat's no joke. We know that. She's down to scrap. I think Cyborg's going to be eager to make a strong impression, like I said. So the question for me is just what which Cyborg do we see in her Bellator debut? Is she going to come out and brawl like she did with Nunez, which didn't go her way? She'll be a little more composed like she was with Felicia Spencer and in some of her other fights. That's uh, that's what I'm most curious about right now. But I, I think we're definitely going to see a, a, a good fight, a good back and forth. And I like I like Julia Budd saying, you know, I, I wanted Chris Cyborg. If she signed with Bellator, I wanted her to get the shot, to get the crack in my belt first. You know, I, I just like their their attitude and, and how they just want to fight. They're fighters who want to fight. And I appreciate that. Yeah, to me, I think the big one is that Julia Budd now, she kind of gets that opportunity that Michael Chandler did when, you know, UFC is bringing in a free agent like Benson Henderson and you really get to showcase what you're made of. Uh, I think it's exactly the same thing right here. I think that it makes it very interesting. Um, If Julia beats Cyborg, that kind of validates Bellator and herself a lot. Um, if you're, you know, and then a Chris Cyborg victory, it establishes what you already know. Um, quite bluntly, this is kind of a big one for both of them. Like you just said, touched on with the legacy. Um, if you're Julia Budd, you win. It kind of says everything you've been telling the media about how good you are over the years is true. If you lose, a lot of the critics are going to, you know... They're going to say what they're going to say, which I pointed out the press conference was unfair. If you're Chris Cyborg, you know, it's kind of right there. You left UFC. We know the deal, but it's time to deliver now if you are actually that fighter. And I think the question is, what Chris Cyborg do we get for this chapter of her career? Is she still that woman who could dominate everybody? Is she starting to slow down? We will not find out until she's actually in these fights. And we're finding out very quickly. She just fought in July. The fight's going to happen in January. Keep in mind, she went through the whole free agency thing. Uh, Everything seems to be looking to be moving along quickly, and I like that. So really, I think it's just about the legacy. That's the real storyline going into this one. Both women have a lot to lose, and that is saying something. Moving on to some UFC news. There was still a fight in the morning in beautiful Copenhagen in Denmark. We have Jack Hermanson taking on Jared Cannonier. Uh, Natalie, Jack Hermanson, I was impressed with his start. Jared Cannonier did not care and he put the damage on him. What were your thoughts on the fight? Scary. Jared Cannonier is scary. That's what my first thought was. Even before the fight started, he was standing on his in his corner, uh, if you will, on his side, and he just had like murder in his eyes. And I was like, oh no, this <laughs> this is gonna be interesting. And uh, he lived up to my fears. He came out kind of like a man possessed. I thought once he got the once he got the advantage, he just completely capitalized on it. It was really primal the way he beat up on Jack Hermanson once he got him on the ground. If you rewatch that finishing sequence, there was like a, an uppercut that he threw. I've never seen anyone throw like a grounded uppercut. Oy. And then those clean punches. He was just rearing all the way back and perfect lines down onto Hermanson. It was, it was actually kind of beautiful and scary and people need to watch out. This guy means business. Yeah, you know, I think that um, 
for Jack Romance. Uh, I was surprised he couldn't get uh, Jared down. You're talking to a guy that we just saw out grapple Jacare a couple months ago. So that surprised me. But, you know, once again, you know, for whatever reason, Jared is just hitting his stride right now. And I think that, you know, he demonstrated exactly when he's on. He is a powerful athlete. He's got one-shot power. He's um, got a lot of experience. He's fought in a lot of weight classes. He's a very big and powerful guy, once again. So he's dangerous. And I think that the win over Hermanson really does propel him forward. Um, when you look at his record, and this is the one I was uh, thinking about, losses to only guys like Jan Blahovich, Dominic Reyes, Glover Tashira. These are top contender potential title challengers we're talking about. People talking about, well, you know, you know, his record and all that. It's not like he's been fed scrubs. He's fighting some very talented guys. And I think at middleweight, his body is just reacting better to everything. I think that this is just his right weight class. And I'm very excited for what comes next. The big question, obviously Whitaker Adesanya this Saturday. Paulo Costa is right there. So where does Jared go? Because obviously he gets a big fight. But exactly how far up the ladder are we putting him for his next outing? Well, UFC has him already. They, they just shot him up like four spots on their rankings, putting him in the top five with Kelvin, Yoel, Paulo. So, you know, Kelvin's got Darren Till, right? Is that, I think that's confirmed. Yep. So yep. Pa- Paulo beat Yoel. So it just makes sense. You know, Paulo, Paulo Jared, seems like the fight to make unless, unless, you know, Costa, I know he's, Everyone's talking about him getting that media, uh, immediate uh, title shot against Saturday's winner. So, yeah, that's that's also possible. But we have to wait and see how these guys come out of the fight on Saturday. If if whoever wins needs more time, then I say just make Jared and, and Costa fight. Why not? I agree with that, but only if we really do have to wait. I think if you're Paulo Costa, until they tell you that the winner of Saturday is out for six months or something... You don't even uh, answer messages about uh, Jared. I think that that's just um, smart business. Let's Looking into my crystal ball, let's say that it's just typical, maybe four or five months, and we'll see Saturday's winner fight Paulo Costa. I could see Cannonier fighting the winner of Kelvin Gastelum, Darren Till. I feel like the winner of that one will look like they're in a good spot, and... Jared would be an interesting test. If you're talking about Kelvin, you're talking about an experienced guy, title challenger, still had one of the fights of the year in 2019. That's a great test. Another, you know, well-rounded guy, wrestler. Um, if Darren Till wins, well, Darren Till most likely does it with physicality. The idea of him colliding with uh, Jared Cannonier is a very fun fight, so... I think that one checks all the boxes um, on timing-wise and everything. But once again, if we end up waiting a long time, Paulo Costa, like you said, that's good television also, and I, I'd be ready for that one too. Yeah, I like I like uh, your your crystal ball there about winner of Kelvin Till. That's also a good one. So really, Jared's got some sign, some fine fine options for uh, for his next fight. Yeah. Oh yeah. Potentially. And, uh, and it looks like he's a guy who's trying to stay pretty active. So that's another good sign, too. Um, there was a lot going on in MMA. Obviously, the Copenhagen card had some, you know, interesting officiating. I'll say that. 
Then in Bellator, Ireland, uh, Michael Venom Page had a good performance. Um, the referee not happy with it, but I felt like it was more showmanship than, uh, I guess, a stalling or whatever you would call it, distraction. And then obviously James Gallagher, you know, the heir apparent to Conor McGregor had his night in, you know, in Dublin. So very interesting MMA from the weekend. There's obviously a lot of guys that you're waiting to see. Um, for me, MVP and James Gallagher, I assume they're going to be in big cards in the U.S. next year. But um, we're going to have to wait and see because there's such a big European push from Bellator where they're going to end up. So that's something. And then, like we said, in Copenhagen, there's some winners there who got a lot of movement in their respective divisions. But the big news coming out of the week, Kamaru Usman will be defending the title against Colby Covington at UFC 245, December 14th in Las Vegas. Um, everybody knows these guys' credentials. Kamaru Usman is on an incredible win streak. Colby Covington, the most unique antagonist we have in 2019 MMA. Um, Natalie, the thing about it, this fight comes a couple weeks after the BMF fight. How does that affect how you see, how you see this particular matchup? Well, I am glad they finally made the fight. It, um, it's not going to be as exciting to me, no matter, like, it just can't be more exciting than the BMF fight, even though these, this is for the actual belt in this, uh, in this division. So for me, it's like, yeah, you had to do it. I'm glad they finally got it locked in, but they made their, uh, the UFC made their best fight already with the BMF, uh, the BMF fight in November. To me, like, go ahead. No, I was going to say, there's just no way, there's, there's no way that, uh, the, the, there are more fans. Um, like it, it, the BMF fight is, is to me is certainly the bigger fight in terms of like likability, deep fan base, eyeballs. Seen, uh, I saw Nate. You know, I don't know if you saw him. He was at the forum. He was getting swarmed by fans. He's truly loved by the people. So I think the main way that the BMF title, the BMF fight, I'm sorry, the the title fight with Usman and Col Colby gets affected by this BMF thing is that Colby's probably going to be like very desperate, like extra desperate to make a bigger splash. So who knows what kind of antics we'll see from him. But I think that's, that's really going to be the only like side effect from BMF coming first and title fight coming in second. I think the thing about this fight is that it is the third title fight on that card. Um, uh, and but mind you, that's not even to talk about the undercard. You, you know, very bluntly, this is going to be the year new year's Eve card any other night they're stacking it to be the end of the year in UFC which is a lot of fun awesome but I think that when you talk about the pressure now why was Masvidal and Diaz put together everyone knows why they know how to sell these fights get people invested Colby Covington does do some of that Kamar Usman um, he understands that's part of the game, but he's really gotten to this point by showing up and handling business, which is fine. But you are essentially going to have the true champion against, you know, essentially a people's champion. That makes the BMF winner against this winner very interesting. But I think that if you're going to talk about making a big fight moving forward or even getting people invested in this one, if you're Kamaru and you're Colby, 
The fight has to deliver. And mind you, that's easier said than done because obviously, look, you got to win, you know, before anything else, before you talk, before you try to be exciting or flashy, whatever you want to call it. But I think the fact that everybody, everybody is going to be talking about the BMF winner and the BMF belt against you, it is now on you to kind of show, hey, we're still the A side. Otherwise, we know exactly how these things play out. It's essentially the champion waiting to get taken out by the more popular contender. And look, obviously, the winner of Colby and Kamaru is going to be a tough challenge for either Nate or Jorge. But I think that really affects it is that now you're talking about perception. Now you're talking about how you're going to be seen going into next year against the BMF winner. All of that is a very real thing when you talk about, you know, where does this fight end up? What card? What kind of circumstances? All of that plays into the business side of it. The fight itself, it's still elite welterweights taking on elite welterweights. That itself isn't going to be a problem. Let's talk about the fight real quick before we move on. Obviously, Kamaru and Colby match up very interestingly. What are your thoughts on their fight just by itself? So I'm sort of cringing in advance here. It's just thinking about the build-up to the fight. I'm wondering how outlandish Colby's going to going to be I suspect Usman's going to have a couple of little verbal jabs ready but mostly I think he's going to take the high road so I just have no idea what Colby's going to come out with and and so that's my first thought actual fight night I feel like Usman's going to want to knock his block off and that could either work out really well or or he could you know end up gassing out and we know Colby has the cardio to go five rounds but I, what I hope really is that it's not a boring fight, but it definitely has the potential to be if they kind of do like a chess match style, like we saw with Tyron and Wonderboy. Although I didn't think that fight was actually boring. So I'm really just hoping that we get some action and it's not a lot of just like holding up against the cage. That's my biggest concern with this matchup. Well, yeah, you, we'll do have, you have two wrestlers for sure. I think that the yeah. thing about it is, um, look, it's obvious Kamaru is, as a physical specimen, is much bigger than Colby. I think that that's a big advantage he has going in. In terms of style, he is more of a wrestler than a striker, even though he's shown, you know, decent hands and competent, you know, competent on the feet. How does that factor into a guy like Colby, who you know his entire game, you know, he's trying to get you off of your feet where he could stay on top of you and just make life miserable? That's going to be the key. Just how you know good is uh, Kamaru's defense, or how does it work when you have a wrestler his caliber trying to take Colby down? That's going to be very interesting in terms of the chess match. I think that we are gonna we're gonna find out who is the best wrestler for sure. More than anything else, you're gonna find out who's a better wrestler, Kamaru Colby, because I do think that's going to be the key to dictating where you want the fight. If you're Kamaru, if you want to stay on top of him. If you want to strike with them, if you're Colby, you know, if you're able to stay on top of them, I think that's the big question. It's going to come down to literally who is the better fighter at implementing their wrestling, plain and simple. And um, that's a good question because Colby, I'll be honest, he's making believers out of people. And Kamaru, for all his credentials, I think we're all, you know, we all think of that Robbie Lawler fight and we're realizing, man, Colby could just come out here and just get in his face and start making this a grind a la Daniel Cormier. And that's a very interesting prospect. 
It is, and yeah, it is, and I just, again, I hope it's not like a boring one, a boring fight. I hope there's at least some action, and it's not, it's, you know, the fight with Robbie Lawler was frustrating because Robbie Lawler kept like slipping punches, and you thought any second now he's going to he's gonna fire back with something, and he didn't, and Colby was just punch, punch, lunge, and hold against the cage. So if he does that again, it'll be, to me anyway, a little bit, um, underwhelming and so I'm really putting all my eggs in the Usman basket here and hoping that he has a, a really good game plan to make this a more action-oriented fight yeah and you know obviously look they'll they'll drum up interest they're gonna have something to say as the fight gets closer but um remember Natalie we don't discriminate against MMA here at MMA Daily if they want to wrestle all day that's part of the game <laughs> I know what Absolutely. that sounds you know, it's like, hey, put it this way. You don't like it. You need to stop it, right? But no, I hear you. It, um, They're not about to put on a striking clinic, no matter how that fight, you know, you play that fight a hundred times. They're not about to stand and bang with each other, I don't think. They definitely so. aren't, which is why I'm way more excited for the BMF title fight than this one. Yeah, but hey, also, you know, clash of personalities this is going to be interesting. Yeah, the buildup is definitely going to be more exciting than the fight. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Moving on to our next news story, just breaking today. Kevin Lee, the former lightweight interim title challenger, will take on Gregor Gillespie. Natalie, this one, Gregor is one of those guys. Is he Habib Nurmagomedov without the hype? Is that, you know, because I keep trying to find a good way to compare him for the fans to the rest of the division at lightweight. What about you? Yeah, that sort of seems fair. I uh, I can get behind that. And uh, interesting, I would say a tough return back to 155 for Kevin Lee. And I'm actually a little disappointed that he didn't try his hand at 170 a few more times. I know, you know, you don't want to twiddle around if you really feel like it's not the right weight class for you. But when you do this, like jumping back and forth thing we saw Pettis do it it just doesn't really work out favor but we'll see we'll see it's a tough fight for uh for Lee who's the bigger name but yeah yeah I think that um for me um and people talk about it Grigor's just that guy you know he's just gonna smother you and I think you know respectfully a lot of guys they want to stand and bang they want to have a good show and they want to make that you know make the change, the idea of having to sprawl and brawl and, you know, probably have a guy, you know, probably have a very technical fight, maybe it's tougher, but this is another one of those guys, I mean, look at Habib, he's essentially, you know, made his way to the top that way, he poses a lot of challenges, I think if you're Lee, this is a real test of how well-rounded he is, because we are assuming he's going to be able to defend the takedowns well enough, or, you know, just try to minimize the damage on top, but can he outpoint him? Can he outwork him in all the other areas? I think that makes it very interesting. And um, look, I think it's just a very interesting fight. I think that it's a, like you said, a weird, interesting test for Lee. But if you're Grigor, this is also the breakout fight that you want. If he wins, this will be his seventh straight victory. That's when you start talking about, you know, look at these top five guys, the Cowboy Cerrone's, the Dustin Poirier's, the all these other guys that you know fans are familiar with. This sets you up for them. So 
that's what makes this one such a good fight, and I'm very interested in to see how does Kevin Lee handle the return to 155, and if you're Grigor, how does he handle a guy of the caliber of Kevin Lee? So I think it's going to be a good one. And of course, that one is the on the New York, the BMF uh, card that we're calling it, so they get a little bit of local action there. Moving on, Natalie, I have been waiting months and months and months. Take a commercial break, I'm back, and months just to talk about this fight. It is the fight I have said is going to be the fight of the year when we go over everything this December. Robert Whitaker, Israel Adesanya, the Aussie, the Kiwi, the interim champion, the undisputed champion. Take it away. Yeah, I got to take a breath. Uh, I feel I feel <laughs> you on this. I got to take a breath here before we dive in because definitely it's going to be a fight for the ages. So Robert Whitaker is kind of a goofy fighter, not in a disrespectful way. He, he throws, he fires his strikes out at weird angles. He's often lunging forward while he's taking his head off center line. I noticed in watching some clips he has really great balance, and I think, as I'm processing, you know, the the videos, I think what that comes from is his really strong, really solid foot strength. And something folks don't talk about too much. We heard a little bit like Carlos Condit a few years back talking about it. Ido Portel, you know, touch button the park. Conor McGregor's guy. He talked about foot strength. It's a really significant as asset. I think it's the main advantage, one of the main advantages, even though it sounds a little strange, that Whitaker's going to carry into the fight. I think foot strength for him leads to really great balance and leads to him striking from these unexpected angles. But then you look at the opponent, right? You got Israel Adesanya, supremely creative, riding high, you know, a wave of confidence coming off his gasoline fight. He showed, like, next-level warrior spirit in that, in that bout. And he has similar qualities like balance, striking from unique angles, but I think creativity is probably his greatest asset. So I'm super excited for this fight, and what I'm thinking is, is something a potential to happen here is that after both fighters have like exhausted their skill sets on each other, I think we're going to find out whose spirit, whose like warrior spirit is going to take over and find out who's going to get more primal here. and. I have a, a clear idea who I think is gonna gonna end up coming out on top in that regard, but I'll I'll send it back to you before I give my pick. Oh my uh, gosh, it's kind of like you know you finally got the fight. You don't know what you want to say. I want to say so much stuff about it. Um, when I see these two going at it, I see a war. I see two men who aren't gonna go away. Um, uh, in terms of the way they fight, Robert Whitaker. Um, horsepower he's very athletic he's uh, very explosive he's a he's a beast in that way the one thing is he doesn't always get his head off the center line and that has you know led to him getting clipped pretty bad in the past when you talk about the foot strength and everything he reminds me of Jose Aldo when you watch Jacare or Yol Romero try to take Whitaker down and you see how he's, he's defending with them I mean, watch uh, Chad Mendez fight Jose Aldo and how well Jose defends these deep takedowns, springs back up like a cat. That's Robert Whitaker, 50 pounds heavier than him. You know, 
That is what makes him very good, well-rounded. That's why he came out on top in fights against guys like Jacare and Romero. Israel Adesanya is obviously a completely different puzzle, completely different animal. The creativity, like you said, is there. His ability to maintain distance, get in and out, footwork, head movement. This is what he has spent his life doing and perfecting. Um, both of them have power. I think that if you talk about meeting in the middle and just throwing down, Whitaker has the advantage. That being said, Israel Adesanya can overwhelm you with shots if you are not careful. That's what makes this one so good. I agree. I do think at a certain point, the fighter is going to have to show their heart. and Because I, I don't think either man is going to go away. The thing that, that I think will decide this fight is whether or not Whitaker can implement forward pressure. I think that at the end of the day, Israel Adesanya is going to try to do what he does. If you're Whitaker, can you avoid taking too many shots getting inside? And can you keep that pressure on Israel? Can you make him fight on his heels? That is what Kelvin Gastelum was able to do successfully. And that is what Robert Whitaker needs to do if he's going to pull it off. Obviously, though, he's got to do what no one else has been able to do to Adesanya. And that is why this is such a very dangerous fight. I'm going to toss it to you. Because I want to leave with feeling good about my pick and my prediction. Natalie, who takes the title down under? So I'm actually picking Robert Whitaker. I think he's going to get more primal. I think he's going to get grimy, fight messy. He's going to have that like next level animal pressure. So if, the, if there is a finish, which I'm not sure there will be, but if there is, I don't see it even coming until the fifth. Like It'll be like a TKO a Whitaker TK on the fifth, I think they're really going to push each other into championship rounds. I don't see it any any sooner than that. If it, if it doesn't go TKO in the fifth for Whitaker, I see it going decision for Whitaker at the end there. But we're in for a, a, almost a full fight, I think, with Whitaker on top. So you think that Whitaker's just going to be able to make it ugly, get in his face, and keep it there as much as he needs to to win it? Yeah, I don't think he's going to start off that way, but I think ultimately that's going to be the, the what gets him over the edge and, and gets him the win, yeah. I feel like that's going to be a bit early start out of Sonya, then just you're going to remember why Whitaker's had that belt for a minute and the, why he's been able to beat the guys he's beaten. I'm with you. I'm going to go Rob Whitaker. You know what? I am feeling good like Gegard Musasi. Rob Whitaker, third round knockout, just going to come forward and close the show. Wow. Right hand. <laughs> Bam. I like it. Lock it in. Quote me on Monday. Okay. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing that either. That would be great. So let's, uh, either way, let's, let's see, uh, let's hope Whitaker gets up. No, nothing against Ladisanya, of course. I think he's amazing. I like both of them. Oh, there's a reason this fight is awesome. It's because Adesanya's doing a good job as the other side of it, too. Yeah. And also, um, I think we're and we're going to see it probably, what, late night tomorrow? Because it's Wednesday. They're a little bit, they're day ahead-ish over there. Um, the class of personalities. I mean, Whitaker, you know, he's, he's not much of a talker. That's not his deal. Adesanya likes to play and have fun. That's, you know why he's part of why he's so popular they're gonna have a great build-up i think the next you know 72 hours ish to fight night is gonna be a lot of fun for a lot of people so i'm looking forward to seeing what they have to say between now and the fight i think it's gonna be good and by the way if i may say so 
you start lighting your candle with Brian Ortega Jesus, or I guess now Jorge Masvidal Jesus, and you start asking the MMA gods to protect Robert Whitaker. Yeah, I mean, definitely the thought has crossed my mind. The fear has crossed my mind. No, uh, no hernias, no sprains, no flu, no nothing. Just keep the man on lockdown. And uh, please, let's not have another. Like, has he ever fought headlined in Australia? Has he ever actually been not able to as do champion. it? Champion. <laughs> not as champion. He's done it before, and he lit up the house, but not as a champion. He's yeah. had that bad luck twice. So you know, let's not make third time a charm for this one. Man, the fight is so good, Natalie. They have that awesome Marvel Stadium. That place, man, I want to go there. That place looks cool. It looks very cool. Yeah, I very. Am, I am excited for this one. I'm just ah. Uh. Anyway, that's it for this week's show. Next week we'll be talking about you know the fight, obviously. Any breaking news? Next week is UFC Tampa, big strawweight fight. Joanna Jonjicic, former champion, against Michelle Watterson, the fan favorite of the UFC. What are your initial thoughts on that one as we head into next week? Makes me a little nervous for Watterson because I, I really want to see her get that title shot. And um, Joanna's kind of plateaued, so this and, and Watterson keeps improving, so it could go Watterson's favor, but um, I, I'm not prepared to make a pick yet, obviously. Yeah, and I'm gonna dig into their uh, their uh, some old fights and see uh, how I how it shakes out. But but that's my initial thought is big win for Waterson and uh, potential to be like the beginning of the decline for Yan Jacek if she can't pull it off. I think that uh, the layoff is obviously big for Joanna. What has she been working on? What is she, you know, like how do you add to what you've already done for years as champion i feel like you know this is a big like hey you know you've taken all this time off to learn something or get whatever you you need to to be a different and better fighter i think that now this is the test to see it otherwise you have like you said a hungry fighter in michelle waterson who wants to have her breakthrough i mean this is the fight you know these are the fights she struggled with right to get to that title shot every time it looks like she might have a big one um, she has a bit of a hiccup. This is the fight that she needs. She's got it. Very interesting. They're going to have some other good stuff on the card. So we'll be breaking all of that down. But guys, we will be back next week. Natalie, where can fans find you on social media? On Twitter, I am at NatalieZamudio underscore. And guys, you can find me all the time at Double G on TV. Just spell out the word double. Interview with Adesanya goes up tomorrow. Be sure to look out for it.